Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hello and welcome to Runners Only with Dom Harvey, brought to you by Radix Nutrition. Coming up, Simon Cochran. So I thought even if I, you know, blow up, I can probably still jog it in and go all right. Jog it in. Yeah, so the first marathon you do in... I think the same time as my personal best of all time. Was it like 257? 258, you got me there. I got you, yeah. <laughs> but then I was almost unable to walk after that, <laughs> let alone run another one. That's phenomenal. Fun fact, in his 1991 hit song, Tom Cochran said, Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. Then in 2023, Hamilton dad, Simon Cochran, no relation to Tom, said, Life is a highway. I want to ride it all night long. On a bicycle then swim 10 kilometres and run a double marathon. And that is exactly what he did, at world record pace no less. It's a crazy story. It's an event that I've never heard of actually, been going since 1983 though evidently, called Ultraman. This was in Noosa a couple of weeks before recording this. Simon Cochran obliterated the current world record and to do it, he had to swim, cycle and run over 500 kilometres in three days. So day one, 10k swim, then a big bike ride. Day two, a massive bike ride. And day three, on tired legs, a double marathon, 84 kilometres. This is definitely an episode for the running and multi-sport nerds, but there are takeaways in this conversation for everyone, including lessons on time management and how you can get more out of yourself every day, and how you can change your situation if you aren't happy with it, and the importance of enjoying everything you do, and how that's a mindset you can choose. As Simon says with his endurance events, Pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. I love that, and I hope you guys do too. Thanks again ever so much to my sponsors, Radix Nutrition. Check them out online, radixnutrition.co.nz. A little Kiwi company doing massive things. All right, let's get into it. Brand new world record holder, Simon Cochran, on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Hey, Runners Only, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Fast paced, slow and steady, anywhere you coming, want to connect for everyone who loves running this is runners only yeah, yeah let's get it started hey, hey. this is runners only with dime hardy uh, fast paced slow and steady anyway you coming uh, just want to connect for everyone who loves running hey runners only with dime hardy runners only with dom harvey and simon cochran how's the body how are you feeling pretty good bounce back as good as i could have hoped how does it feel being a world champion well, it's technically not world champion, world record holder. Um, How's that different? Um, this is the result from this race was the fastest everyone anyone has gone across that race before the distance across all six events around the world. Yeah, and we're going to get into that shortly. That's the Ultraman. But first of all, it's um, great to have you on the podcast. Um, there was a lot of interest in getting you on. Yeah, your mum messaged my mum <laughs> to get you on, and and your wife messaged me to get you on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was quite a hard case because you messaged me before you'd even read my wife's message. So we had a bit of a laugh about that. Yeah, that was really nice. Really, really supportive. Yeah, a lot of people would probably be wondering, you know, you're, you're married and you've got two young kids, how your wife handles this, let alone be supportive, because it must require a long time away from home. But she's obviously on board. 
Yeah, um, not not too much time away from home. I mean, I think I've got the balance with with work, training, family life, pretty good. So yeah, it works well. Oh no, no, come on! You must be away from home a lot. The training that when do you fit the training in? Yeah, so I'm I'm at home and it counts. Like I'm always there for <laughs> breakfast, kids getting off to school and daycare, and I cook dinner every night, and we put the kids to, to bed. So I do slot it in during the day, so it's not going to cause too much chaos everyone's got the same amount of hours in the day so if you want to do this extra stuff like you were doing you, you just need to allocate the hours Does yeah it- so there's no tv or netflix really the odd weekend night maybe you know once in a blue moon but it's, it is just being efficient across the day to slot everything in and um yeah i'm busy <laughs> so are you are you up training um when it's dark or are you trying to do it during the day no, the alarm goes off pretty much 20 to 5 every day, um, whether it's going to swim squad or yeah, doing a bike session in the garage or, or a run. It's, it's up early, and then it's usually slotting another session in um, early afternoon. How long has Ultraman been a thing? This is the first time I've heard about this event. So Ultraman's been going since 1983. Wow. So they're going to have their 40th anniversary in Hawaii this year. So it's, it's be quite a big event. Um, and then there's also five other... Ultraman events around the world. So you've got Australia, Canada, Arizona, Florida, and maybe one more. So it's not a new thing. Because uh, I, I, I know the um, the world record was set like a couple of months ago. Yep. And that poor bastard only hold it for like, <laughs> it like a couple of months before you broke it. God, he must hate you. <laughs> However, you, you smashed his record though. So what you've done is phenomenal. Like it's not just shaving a minute or two or even 10 minutes off. It's like an hour what? It was almost an hour and a half. So it's yeah. insane. It's not gonna it's not gonna be broken, eh, for a long time. Well, hopefully this brings a few extra guys out of the woodwork, um, some other top athletes, um, and have a crack. Because this is the first time you've had a crack. Yep, first time I've I've known a couple of the guys who have done it before. A good mate of mine, Carl, has won Ultraman Australia a couple of times. Yeah, that, that sort of got me interested and because I've got a, a fairly good swim bike run background and some ultra running experience in the last year or so then i thought yeah it interests me mm. quite a bit when it was confirmed that you were lining up for ultraman you, i mean you've done a sh- we're going to get into all of this but you've done like a shit ton of endurance events you've done so many iron men and stuff um but do you think um people would have been watching you around the world with keen interest or just thinking you're a novice and you, you know what i mean like what, do, you, do you think anyone apart from you was, was predicting you were going to break the world record Probably not break the world record, but I think, yeah, from the, the racing history over the last few years and, yeah, experience over the long, long stuff, I think a few people thought I was going to go well and possibly win this one. But, yeah, I didn't even think I was going to, yeah, take an hour and a half off the world record, that's for sure. Yeah, we better run through what Ultraman is. So it's kind of like a, a, a double Ironman and a little bit more. Yeah, pretty much. So it's, it's pretty much a double Ironman distance, well, a bit more, 515 Ks across three days. So day one, 10K open water swim and 145K bike. Day two, 275K bike. <laughs> and then, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big day. And then day three <laughs> to top it off is a double marathon. So you're running a marathon out, turn around, and a marathon back. Yeah, and your, your time's on, obviously, I mean, you've got the world record, but your time's on all these things are, are sizzling. I, like, I don't know much about swimming or cycling, but um, I've done running for a number of years, and your, your run time was phenomenal. The first marathon was a sub three, the second one like a 307? Yeah, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah 258 and a 307 to, to give me a 606 double marathon. Yeah, so the, the drop-off in the second half of that run after two big days before that was very minimal. 
Yeah, and I probably went out a little bit quicker than I was hoping, but that does give you the benefit of having a bit of a buffer over that banking, second half. Yeah, a bit yep. of, yeah. Okay, so um, we'll run through the events. I was at Noosa the day before. What are, you, what are you doing? You're just resting, you're eating a lot. How do you prepare for something like this nutrition-wise? Um, so it felt like a five-day event because the day before is a massive briefing day. It's like three or four hours because there's a lot of logistics having... The race is open roads, so you've got to stop at stop signs, traffic lights, obey all road rules. You've got trucks, cars, roadworks, all sorts. So it's, it's carnage. Yeah. <laughs> How many people are taking part? Not many. No, so they cap it at 50. Right. So people have to apply. Um, because you've got your support crew out on the road in a car, so they're your aid station. They're giving you bottles of drink throughout, helping navigate and everything like that. So it is different to a, a standard triathlon. So yeah, so the day before is a big registration day, and then you've got three days of racing, and then a bit of a celebration prize giving day um as well see I, I had no idea about the thing about the the roads being open and uh, you know you having to stop for signs and things like that that's got to be um increasingly difficult as well as fatigue yeah it is like yeah well, we're coming back up the coast from Alulabad to noosa on a sunday afternoon so there's quite a bit of traffic <laughs> um i had to stop at three traffic lights which feels like you're there for an hour but if you look at the, the stop times it's yeah, it yeah. might have added three minutes and everyone's in the same boat so it's yeah. just trying not to stress about that at the time so it's not an enjoyable break for you at those stop signs and red lights nah that was like yeah you're <laughs> 240 k's and you're ready to to finish the last hour yeah, and get it done yeah. okay so so day one you start on the water you head out to the left uh to 1.5 k's and then back and then out 2 k's back and then you do the 1.5 out and back again so it's sort of three out and backs and how, how do you go on this one do, do you, are you like racing out in front of the 50 and setting the pace or are you... Uh, yep, yep, starting hard like any race really because um, i got a, a fairly strong swimming background. Um, I wanted to start strong and, you know, lead out of the water so you could have a, a strong bike and put any time into anyone else, um, put, put the pressure on them early, which did work. Um, so after day one swim and bike, I had a 37-minute lead already. So you finished the 10K swim. Is, is it like a normal Ironman or triathlon in, in terms of the tra- transition time? Yeah, like well, sta- standard Ultraman stuff. Usually people get out and they'll have a bit of a shower and get changed and, and that sort of thing, um, and then onto their bike and that. But I, I treated it more like a race. Like I, <laughs> I went there to race, so I was out of the water, sprint up the beach, shoes on, out on the bike, gone. So it's standard triathlon suit and quick change and, and out, no mucking around. God, you weren't fucking around, were you? Nah. Uh, nah. <laughs> how long does that swim take you, 10K swim? That was two hours, 27 minutes. Right. Um, so how, how are you feeling after that? I mean, yeah, the, uh, the biggest thing was probably I hadn't done a heap of saltwater long swims. So your throat is just raw from the salt water and your tongue's quite swollen um, and a little bit of chafing and, and whatnot. But that generally, I'd, I'd prepared well for that swim, so I got out feeling okay. I actually had um, uh, John O'Riddler on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, swam 99Ks. Uh, he said the same thing about his tongue. He yeah, he was in the water a lot longer than me, so I can only imagine. But um, even you know, two or three hours in the water is 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 a long time. Yeah. Oh no. I'm, well, I'm just intrigued by like John. Obviously, it's very different to what you've done, but um, yeah, what what you've done as well, and just you know, the extent that you guys can yeah push your body. I think anyone that's that's listening to this, you think, okay, if another human being can do it, then I probably can if I really want to put my mind to it. Oh, exactly. Everyone, anyone can do it. There's just a process that I've followed. Um, it's a long process for endurance sports, like it's 10 to 15 years of building up and improving and working out what works for you. Um, but yeah, definitely anyone can can start from where they are and at least improve, whether that's going to get to a world record or just a personal best, then 
yeah. you can always head in the right direction. Yeah. So that's day one. So yeah, the swim goes well, straight on the bike, smash out 145 Forty-five. Forty-five Ks. So what's that, like four hours? I was the first one to go under four hours. So I went, I think it was 3.52, but that's generally, yeah, a four-hour ride, averaging 37 or 38 K an hour. Which... It's flying, right? And you're doing that on your own, like almost like time trial style. Yep, time trial. Yeah. Yep. So I didn't see another cyclist out there until the turnaround. Um, mm. And there was a f- fair amount of hills, and it was we had the worst week uh, weather week in Noosa for ages. Like it was raining and windy the whole time, um, which I didn't mind because I'm used to that conditions here <laughs> over our glorious summer we've just had. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. the Aussies didn't really enjoy it. Well, no one's going to Noosa for the rain and the wind, are they? No, no. Uh, okay, so, so that's day one, and then uh, so what's your lead? What's your lead at the end of the first day? Thirty-seven minutes, which was quite Fuck. nice. That is a hell of a buffer. Yeah, and I think that sort of shocked a few of the other guys. Um, like a few of them sort of thought they may match me or catch me on the bike after uh, getting out of the water. But yeah, I rode, I think it was an extra 10 or 12 minutes into a couple of guys that were strong cyclists. Because mm, what's your strongest, of the, if you had to rate your disciplines, what's first, what's worst? Oh, I'm, I'm pretty even across the three, which yeah. I think is a, a good thing. Um, just consistent. Um, I think recently my strength is probably the the long running. Um, like, yeah, I can race a double marathon rather than just go and complete it. Day one finishes. What do you what do you do? You get a massage. Have you got a physio over there? Yeah, they had a really good setup there. Where um, and because I got in a lot earlier than everyone, I actually had like an hour and twenty <laughs> massage, which was really good. That helps a lot. And then it was just back to the Airbnb, get some food. Um, what is that? What do you eat? My wife makes an awesome homemade pizza, so I was just like, right, that's going to work so good for the first night, second night. Um, just that and some kuma fries, lots of salt. And then it was just getting all the gear ready again for another early start, so clean the bike up because it was a mess from all the shit on the roads and, and that sort of thing. Get all the gear ready, and then it was a 5.30 a.m. kickoff again on day two with your lights on and um, ready for a big ride. At that point, you've got a 37-minute lead, did you say? 30, yes. Do you manage to get away in, in front? Are you allowed to ride in a pack when it starts? If it starts uh, at no, time or so no? no no drafting. We had a, a neutral zone where we followed a police car for the first 5Ks out of town, so it wasn't sort of carnage. And then it's open. And, um, yeah, a couple of other strong cyclists really took off and obviously trying to, to put some time into me. Um but yeah, started strong and managed to hold only a four-minute deficit to the guy who won day two as such. So, oh, so he took four minutes back off you? Yeah, took yeah. four minutes back off me. Um, That's nothing, is but it? But we both broke the day two bike course record by 25 minutes as well, so it was a quick day. <laughs> yeah, how many Ks again? 275. Oh my God, that is awful. So I've just driven down from um, Auckland to Hamilton today. So it's like Auckland to Hamilton, back to Auckland and almost back to Hamilton again. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> On a bike. So how long is that day? That was 7 hours 18 for me. Oh. So what's the longest training ride you do leading up to that? I did a, four rides over 250Ks, um, sort of culminating with a big... My biggest weekend was a 300K ride and then the following day was a 60k run. And that was right. like three weeks out from the event. That's a heinous amount of training, isn't it? Like waking up in the... I mean, I'm, when you've got your game face on and you're in Noosa, I can understand you, know, you, you do it. But the drive to get, get out of bed in Hamilton on a cold Saturday or Sunday morning and go for a 300k training ride, it's not for the faint. No, definitely not. And that, yeah, that takes a lot to, to do that. Um, 
especially week on week for this build up. Yeah, um, it's yeah. been a massive, well, a massive season really. So to to back up that and then sort of finish the season with this big event, um, yeah, the motivation was all towards performing at Ultraman, and you got to do those big days to to get the results. You do do the mahi, get the treats. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. But a lot of forty nine people that did the mahi and didn't necessarily get the treats. <laughs> they got their own treats. <laughs> By the way, mo- most people listening to this will never ride that far on a bike in their life. What, what, what's it like when you when you get off a bike after seven hours of going full tip? Well, I'm used to getting off a bike and having to go and run a marathon and an Ironman. Mm. So mentally it's quite nice because you can get off and literally jump onto a massage table. Um, but yeah, your body, your lower back and everything is just aching after two days on the bike. Like within the last, you know, 24 hours of doing that ride, you've been on the bike for nearly 12 hours and pushing hard for 12 hours. So yeah, you're you're ready to get off the bike. That's for sure. And then what? More pizza? Yep, same same yep. plan. Like it worked really well on the first night, so just stuck stuck to that. Home, pretty much the same routine of yeah, getting gear ready for the next day. I mean, there's a lot of nutrition to sort as well, um, and then feed up into bed. And there's um, like no niggles or anything, no concerns. Like you're feeling good going into the third and final day, of the run. Uh yeah, my lower back and glutes were were really tight after the bike, but I've. I'd experienced that in some of the bigger training weeks. Yeah. So I just sort of rolled it out, stretched out a bit. Um, and generally when I start running, that, that loosens up because you're using different muscles in a different way. So running is usually a lot nicer on the lower back and the glute. It was yours to lose at this point. Is that how you sort of saw it? Yeah, well, it was mine to lose, but it was also they had put the carrot of the world record in front of me and said, right, if you run under 6 hours 17 for the double marathon, then you'll break. 20 hours which no one had ever well no one had gone under 21 hours but they said here you go have a crack at going under 20 who's they like the organizers? well the organizers yeah pretty much right yeah i was confident that i was going to go under the 21 hours 21 minutes yeah um but then when they threw that at me i was sort of like oh hang on i didn't <laughs> i didn't expect to have to to run that quick yeah i was expecting six hours 30 like two back-to-back 315s which still which sounds no joke no it's which no joke. still sounds crazy Especially because it's hilly and it's on the third day. Um, and then when they chucked the, the extra challenge at me, I thought, well, I don't really have too much to lose because even if I you know, jogged it in, I'd probably still go all right because the first two days had gone so well. But if you, there's, a, I mean, there's a risk in the run, I would imagine, if you go out too quick that the, you know, the wheels can fall off completely. Oh yeah, shit can hit the fan pretty quick. Yeah. Um, was that a concern or not really? <laughs> obviously not. No, um, obviously not really. No, nah, not not too much. Like I was, I was confident <laughs> in my running, and especially the the back end strength. So I thought even if I you know blow up, I can probably still jog it in and go all right. <laughs> jog it in, unbelievable. Yeah. So the first marathon you do, and I think the same time as my personal best of all time was like two fifty seven. 258, you got me there. I got you, yeah. <laughs> but then I was almost unable to walk after that, let alone run another one. That's phenomenal. That's cr- what, what pace were the other guys doing? Um, what was the next best? Next best through the marathon, I think, was around 3.18. So I saw all them at the turnaround. And, um, I mean, everyone's happy for you, like cheering you on. So it does give you some motivation running yeah. back. Um, but, yeah, I think... The second quickest run would have been about a six fifty something in the end. Amazing. So and and how's the, how's the run? So you you start. Are you feeling good at the beginning? Yeah. Well, it's so hard to know. Like I did a 
kilometer warm up and you sort of think oh, i don't feel too bad but mm. you don't know how you're gonna feel um same thing it was windy raining pitch dark so you got head torch on everyone goes off at once a couple of guys boost out and do like a 405 first k and i was like okay that's all right. What, can, what were you doing, like 4.15s? 4.15s for yeah. the first marathon. Um, and you pick up, I picked up my mate uh, Matt as a pacer 5Ks in, and he could run to the marathon point with me carrying bottles and, you know, someone to chat to. <laughs> and then I had a couple more pacers on the way back as well, which is just, just nice. They help keep you on track, carry some nutrition, and just, you know, give you a kick mm. up the ass if you need it. I mean, you would have been f- fatigued from day one and day two, but, but you've done a lot of training, you're fit, and you're ready to go. So I'm guessing at 4.15 pace, you're running well within yourself. Yeah? Yeah, it's, it's on that edge. Like, um, you're sort of, you're always second guessing. Um, but my theory is, like, when you're feeling good, you've got to use use that. Um, so it felt comfortable enough. But also a daunting amount of Ks ahead of you as well. Yeah, so you just got to break it down. It's sort of break it down they had timing mats and people at the half marathon the marathon the three quarter you know 63 k's and then the finish so and and when when did it start to really um really hurt or get really dark um yeah right through to the marathon felt pretty good Mm -hmm. and then on the way back there's a real hilly section at about 55 to 65 k's and that's where yeah, the legs were starting to feel it a lot, especially on the downhills. But I'd built up that buffer, so I could ease off a little bit. Um, so it didn't really get too too bad. Like, I managed to pick it up for the last 10Ks um, and finish strong. So it, it did go to plan. Do you ever get dark in races? Or are you just, like, relentlessly positive? Um, or good? just good at keeping yourself glass half full? Yeah, you have to. to How? Get I'm curious. Those someone stages. who struggles with um, that immensely. <laughs> yeah, like, I've done a couple of long runs like you know 100 miles and even 200 k's um at a 24-hour event and you definitely go through stages where you feel like absolute shit um but most of the time you just need to yeah sort of have a little moment reset and go again and a lot of the time it is just getting more nutrition in or having a bit of a stretch or you know having a chat to a new pacer or friend and then carry on if, if you're on your own in these races like are there any um strategies or techniques you got any mantras or not not really um you just sort of think back to the training that you've done and have the confidence and like when i go to the races like those big ones i'm not there to have fun i know it's going to hurt and the more you hurt the faster you go the faster you go the quicker you get to the finish <laughs> <laughs> do you do you like being in pain do you like the hurt are you it's one of not... those um sadistic people i like that quote um I can't remember exactly how it goes, but it's like everyone's going to be in pain, but it's your choice whether you're going to suffer. So the pain you can associate to performance most of the time. If you're pushing hard and it's not a bad injury type pain, then generally the more pain you can withstand, the faster you're going to go. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so then when do you realize you're going to, you're going to obliterate the world record? Is it like at the 50K mark, the 60K mark? Um, well, even at the marathon turn, I'm like, wow, that's going better than i was expecting and you're sort of trying to work out the sums in your mind even though your brain's not not really working um yeah probably probably around that marathon mark i thought if i'm not going to explode and have to walk a lot then i'm there and then you do it you finish and then what uh, same routine. I was straight on the massage table because <laughs> i was pretty i was pretty cooked um Are we? no shit yeah and then we shot back home 
via a bakery, got a couple of pies. Um, and then, yeah, a few beers with the supporters and cheering on the other finishers that are coming in. Um, just We were just at the Noosa Surf Club there. Um, yeah, a few drinks and some food. And So you were in good shape. You weren't, you weren't exhausted, exhausted. No, I was good. Yep. I was looking back to some videos at the at the finish line from um yeah, last weekend and no, it looked like I had pulled up alright. <laughs> what now? Have you got a rest coming up? The, the like the past year for you, you actually now's probably a good time to do this. We'll run through just some of the stuff you've done in the past year. So uh solo marathon on your birthday. When was your birthday by the way? Uh July ten. July ten, how old were you? Thirty eight. Thirty eight. So I wanted to run two thirty eight. Right, and, and you did, 2.38. I know, yeah, just. Which is, if, so if you do a 2.48 marathon, that's like four-minute K pace. So what's yeah. 2.38? I think 3.46. Yeah, it's no joke, right? No, no. It's, it's heaving, and to do it on your own. Yeah. What, have you have you done just a marathon event? No, like, that, that's my quickest marathon. Right. I've done, yeah, plenty off the bike in an um, Ironman, and I've run, New York Marathon was one of my first marathons. Um, ran that with mum. I think I was 25, mum was 50, um, and I've run Christchurch Marathon, but that was the year it was zero degrees and my quads froze up and, yeah, yeah. it was horrendous. So, yeah, so what do you think you could do, like in a marathon event, if you trained just for that? And Yeah, I don't know. I, I seem to sort of just have that good endurance, but not a heap of the fast. Mm. Um, I don't know. But I, I, think, I think I could go under 230. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, but anything around that 220 is like, yeah, you'd probably have to drop another 10 kilos and yeah. focus on running specifically. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Okay, so, yeah, this is what you've done in the past year. Solo birthday marathon, 2 hours 38. Um, Blue Lake, 24-hour run. Um, you won that by running 201 kilometers. What was second place, Gitta? Uh 160 or something, I think. Yeah, a few, few went to 100 miles, but mm. no one had won the the 200k trophy yeah the topo 100k you won that yep tapo half ironman a 70.3 short event by your standards yeah. <laughs> uh, third place yeah so that, you, that you, went well you good over the long distances and the short distances yeah well it's good you're saying half ironman's short distance now well, <laughs> no like for, for most people like a 70.3 is no joke but i mean for you when you're running 200ks and you're doing ultraman it's it is it's a short distance for you yeah well, i surprised myself i had the best uh run off the bike i've ever had like i ran 115 off the bike half marathon at talpo um on the back of the talpo 100k training so i hadn't done any speed work as such but it just so shows that that strength um, crosses over from the ultra right. side of things. 
Then there was the Rotorua Half Ironman, you won that. Um, Tauranga Half Ironman, fifth place. Tarawera, 100 miles, uh, 100 miler, which is 165 k's, fifth place. Ironman New Zealand, sixth. And you did them in quite the Tarawera. 165k one that was like a couple of weeks before the Ironman yeah so as a coach if an athlete said to you hey Simon I'm gonna do a hundred miler and I'm thinking about doing the Ironman full two weeks later what do you reckon (laughs) (laughs) what would you say to your clients do as they say not as I do So what was your plan going into that Ironman? So were you, were you like, oh, if I'm, if I'm tired from the 100 miler, I'll just pull out or I'll go easy or treat it as a training if I need to? Or Nah, if I'm lining up to race, it's, it's a race. Um, but that, that event was, yeah, pretty tough. Like I hadn't had the cycling or swimming volume that I'd usually have, but that running endurance and strength does cross over pretty well, like if you've got enough of a background. Um, but I injured myself my shoulder somehow before the Ironman. So I didn't really swim for a few weeks before either. So I just had to rely on, yeah. Like some muscle memory. Yeah, pretty much. And just good aerobic base, I guess. Yep. <laughs> so you got to rest now? That's a, that's a lot of events you've done. What's next? <laughs> well, the Ultraman World Champs are in Hawaii in November. There's another Ultraman in Canada, which is in July. So I might try and see if... We might be able to sneak over there and do that and qualify. But that would mean three Ultramans within four or five months. Is that advisable? If you're feeling good. Um, I mean, I think I can do it. Um, it'll just depend on, yeah, if we can organise the trip, maybe secure a bit of funding. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, have a real good crack at the World Champs in Hawaii. That's, that's pretty appealing. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's talk about the money side of things, because um, as I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, your wife messaged me, and she, she, she was talking about what a great husband you are, and what a great father you are, and how you run a couple of businesses. I mean, you do have this remarkable ability of um, you know, fitting everything in. As I said, everyone's got the same amount of hours in the day, same amount of days in a week, yep. um, but you just choose to, I suppose, allocate your time more wisely. How's, how is the financial side of things? Well, I mean, I've I've never been a full-time professional athlete, so you're racing these guys that are doing it full-time, so they do, don't have to go to work. They can recover more, they can train more, they can, um, you know, travel around a bit more as well. So the funding, like, we've pretty much self-funded, you know, the last 10 years. Um, I've had a few supporters on board, um, which, yeah, over the COVID times, everything sort of pulled back, which was yeah. fair enough. Um, but, like, Orchard Gold and St. Pierre's, a couple of big, Kiwi companies, they've, they've been my biggest... St. Pierre's Sushi. Backers. Yep. Yeah, yep. and what's the other one? Ultra... Orchard Gold. Orchard Gold. The berries, okay. frozen berries and that. Um, someone talks with them, hopefully to, to jump back on board for a, a big um, year. Um, but obviously, yeah, it'd be great to work with some New Zealand companies, um, get get their name out there. Because I, th- I think that makes what you've done even even more remarkable. Because, you know, there's the... Um, you know, there's the, I don't know, your Braden Curry's, your Cameron Browns, your Hayden Wilds in a shorter distance or whatever. Anyone, anyone that completes even just an Iron Man um, and holds down a job and a family and stuff, I think, I think they're, the, they're the true heroes. And you're doing this stuff at near elite level without any other sort of like professional support. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've got some good support just with gear and, and yeah. that sort of thing. Um, but that, that doesn't pay the bills or pay the trips overseas. Um, but I mean, I enjoy it and we get to see some pretty cool places around the world. I mean, I've raced, uh, you know, right around the world through Europe, America, Asia. So I've seen some cool, cool places. Well, let's go all the way back. So you're 38 now. Um, you grew up in Auckland. Yep. And then moved to Hamilton. About eight years ago. Yeah, why? Why would you? 
just love you. You just love punishment. Hey? <laughs> yeah, if you'd asked me when I was living in Auckland whether I'd I'd either move or live in Hamilton, I would have said hell no. But since we moved here, I mean, shit, I would never move back to Auckland. Um, just it's so central. I mean, you can get to Coromandel, Rotorua, Taupo, everywhere, Raglan within you know a lot of a shorter drive. No traffic. House prices are better. Training is miles better. Yeah, I was going to say that, like from um, like a road cycling perspective, I, I, I'm from Palmerston North, and I was road cycling. And then as soon as I moved to Auckland, I sort of gave it away because it's just terrifying. Yeah, it is. And yeah, I've, I mean, I went back to Auckland last week, and yeah, just driving anywhere, just think, how the hell did I used to train here? Like you got to ride for an hour mm. before you can even get onto some good roads. Yeah. So, what were you good at um, back at school? What were your sports? I like, mean, I never, yeah, got into. I guess sports competitively. I mean, I, I played rugby. I did a bit of soccer and rock climbing, and then later on got into kickboxing, um, raced motocross a bit more. So, still other sports that hurt you, but you're just not doing it yourself. Mm. <laughs> so then you leave school. You you become a panel beater. Why a panel beater? I'm just trying to like reconcile that with the Simon I see sitting in front of me now. And it's hard to imagine you doing anything other than what you're doing now. Yeah, that, that seems like it was a world ago. Yeah. Um, yeah, out of school after the sixth form year or year 12, um, just got a, a summer job at a panel beating workshop, enjoyed working on cars and that sort of thing. And then they offered me an apprenticeship. So I was like, well, I can either go back to seventh form and didn't really enjoy school. So I was like, right, I'll do apprenticeship, work for them for a few years. Um, and then wanted to get into the health and fitness industry. So I sort of asked, oh, can I do some study on the side? And the panel beating boss was like, no. So I was like, okay, see you later. So I'm out of here. What age is this? Like 20, 21? Yeah, 20. Yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, got into personal training and a bit of coaching up in Auckland. And then it sort of all kickstarter from there really like what's your first sort of event did rotorua half ironman the suffer one um because someone had approached me to coach them for that and i'd never heard of it so i was like oh this sounds quite interesting did a bit of training with them and then thought oh, i'll enter the race as well and then at the prize giving for that race i actually won a entry into challenge wanaka full ironman which was only three weeks later and i hadn't really done the training but <laughs> jumped into that enjoyed it and then i'm ent- seeing a pattern here and then entered ironman new zealand three <laughs> yeah. weeks three weeks after that oh shit so how old are you now what are we, are we early 20s are yeah, we talking 23 24 so how did those first ironman go so you do the half ironman which you trained for yep and then a few weeks later, a full Ironman. Yeah, which... and that's a pretty tough course down there. So I think it was around 11 hours 20, so not, not too bad yeah, for a yeah. first one. Um, but then, yeah, even three weeks later, come up to Taupo, a little bit more knowledge, took like an hour off the time, and then, yeah, just slowly improved. Yeah, it's a long game, the endurance game. How many full Ironmen have you done? 37 now. So you're doing it like you're averaging over two a year? Yeah, the early years, um, I did a bit of a an OE with a mate and we drove around Europe in a camper van just doing different races and that sort of thing I think I did seven Ironman in one year um, and then I was sort of averaging around three or four and then COVID times hit obviously a couple of years of pretty much none and then yeah getting back into things now you just love events yeah yeah Yeah. and what about half Ironman yeah probably more probably 50 or so I'd say what about um what about injuries you had many sort of injuries over the years. That's pretty good. I think I'm think I'm pretty resilient. Training smart, fueling well, you know, doing all the right things, and then just listening to your body. Like um, a lot of runners will think, oh, I've got something sore. I'll just push through, push through until yeah. Then you need some treatment. I think I'm good at backing off, and because you've got the three sports to 
change it up with like if say if you did have a bit of an injury or a tight spot you can do some extra swimming or biking to take the load off and then it is just training smart gradually building up and recovering well do you do other stuff like are you in the, in the gym cross training or are you um, just so busy with the- <laughs> yeah well this last build up because the there was so much aerobic training like 25 30 hours a week um didn't have a heap of extra time for yeah strength flexibility that sort of thing but that that's definitely in there can you remember the peak week for this, uh, for this ultraman, what was the busiest week you had or the biggest week you had? Yep, yep. So, I mean... I'm, you're, you're, you're a coach, so are you doing your own programs or do you have a coach? No, I'm coaching myself. Oh, yeah. I don't think anyone else would be mad enough to, to prescribe what I give myself. See, um, I, t- yeah, see I think that, that takes a special person, eh, to not, to not cut corners or go easy on yourself at all. When I say a special person, I mean a madman. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard because you don't have anyone to pull you back either. But I think for this more extreme racing, you do need to push the boundaries um which willing willing to do (laughs) on myself and just trial out some different theories around training sessions and you know backing up day after day as well yeah so so the biggest week what what did that look like that was 35 hours of training so that was i think four swims um so i go to swim squad on a monday wednesday friday and then in this build up i was adding in another one or two big solo swims so like seven eight nine ten k's in the pool um in the pool mm-hmm Yeah, yep. staring at that black line, getting your mind ready for the for the battle. Would it not have been better to go um, to the nearest sort of like to go to Raglan, I guess, and um, just time, like getting the salt, yeah, time okay. efficiency. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, if we had like a nice warm Noosa Beach close by, then yep, mm. for sure. But jumping out on the west coast and yeah, it's not not that appealing, and yeah. you can just. I guess do some more specific training in the pool for yeah. times and and technique and whatnot. Mm. So yeah, so it was, it was around that twenty five kilometres of swimming that that peak week. So it's not huge overall, but a couple of bigger swims. So there would have been like an eight and a ten k in that week. And then cycling um, six hundred k's for the week with that three hundred k weekend ride, and then that's still another three hundred k's during the week of smaller, more intense rides. And then the running. I think my run volume has just been consistently around that 80 to 100 k's across the the board um, with a few of those real peak weeks obviously in the build up to the, the 100 miles doing some 150 k weeks on top of that. How are you running your businesses like when you're doing this? You're not, you're not getting a lot of work done that week are you? Uh, still getting things done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only 35 hours of the week, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. When you break it down like that, I mean, and, and you can, I suppose you have to, it's like five hours a day, which yep. leaves yep. another 19 hours for everything else you need yeah, to do. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Jeepers. So it is really good at working on your time management skills, and that pays off in your businesses as well. Like, I'm efficient. When I'm working, I'm working. When I'm training, I'm training. And when I'm with the family, I'm with the family. Mm. So it's like, if you're focusing on what you're trying to achieve at the time, you'll get a lot more done rather than trying to, you know, send a couple of mess emails while you're watching TV yeah. or you're, yeah. So one of your businesses is Athletic Peak, yes, which is a coaching business. Yep. And I'm guessing that's going to go from strength to strength. Yeah, almost, like at, with, with, almost at capacity with athletes. Yeah, um, like how many athletes can you take at any given time? Oh, it's, it's a fine line. Yeah. Um, so if you're taking on, like, say... Just runners, runners only. <laughs> nice. <laughs> then um, you can do a bit more. It's a bit less intensive. Um, but then when you've got triathletes and multi-day races, then that's, yeah, a bit more planning. Um, but I really enjoy 
training anyone from you know a beginner 5k through to yeah some some pro athletes as well um but i'm looking at spending a bit more time on the coaching business this year and expanding um with a few training camps and workshops and and that sort of thing so watch this space we will and what's your other business so i run corporate accommodation in hamilton which is a short-term um yeah corporate accommodation so we've got a bunch of apartments that we lease out to businesses bringing um, staff into town as well so that's both businesses that aren't bound to an office or a time schedule so that definitely works well and um, I don't think I could do anything if I had to do a standard nine-to-five job for it'd make things incredibly job. difficult wouldn't it you'd just be like cramming it in before work and after work yep yep it would yeah add too much stress body can only handle so much stress whether it's training work relationships bad diet lack of sleep you know. Yeah, what about bike crashes? No, no one rides that many Ks on a bike um, and gets away scot-free. <laughs> yeah, I'll touch wood. I've only had one proper crash, and that was the one, yeah, that, that put me up for nine months, or out of the pool for nine months. I uh, broke my shoulder pretty bad. This was a couple of days before Christmas. Um, like collarbone or? So collarbone broke in two places, shoulder blade in two places, and three ribs broken. So it was a good over the handlebars down into the ditch uh, crash. At what pace? Uh, well, yeah, you can actually check your Garmin from where it goes from. I think it was like 38 k's an hour oh. to zero. Could have been quite serious. Like I tucked my head down, um, luckily, because I hit the bank, obviously, with some impact. And you can only imagine if you hit with your head straight on or something, it would, uh, yeah, probably snap your neck. So then, then what? So you're recovering. You must have been miserable. Yeah, well, it was, it was interesting. So it was a couple of days before Christmas, um, hell of a lot of pain. And obviously this was right when the summer season was sort of kicking off. But, well, luckily it was when we had that next lockdown. So I think I only missed one race that I was actually going to do anyway um, because all the others were, were cancelled. But the interesting thing is with the shoulder, I could start running Within a couple of weeks, it was crazy. I made this sling out of some physio <laughs> band and started doing some hiking down in the Coromandel and then started jogging. And yeah. so I could run, I think I did a 50k run three weeks after with my arm still in a sling. And just not moving your, your sort of torso and upper body. Yeah, or... just a bit of a technique that seemed to be comfortable enough. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's desperation, isn't it? Desperate. What was it? Fear of losing fitness? Fear of losing speed? Well, there was still hope that the 100k race that was a few months out was still going to go ahead. So I wanted to see if I could at least stay fit enough to enter that. Mm. And as, as someone that likes events so much, you must have really struggled with um, lockdown. Did you, was, that, was that time tough? Yeah, well, it was quite interesting. A lot of people around the world seem to have had some really great performances after the lockdowns because you usually don't get that amount of time for a training block without racing, you know, without tapering off, racing, and then building back up. So I think if you could manage that period well, then you could get a pretty good boost in fitness, mm. which I think I did with a bit more longer runs and adventures and, you know, some challenges that I threw in there myself as well. Yeah. How did you and your wife meet? We she, met. She's a former athlete, right? Like, she's done Ironman events. Yep, and, yep. Yeah, so she under, she gets it. Yeah, she's done 11 Ironman events herself. Um, yeah. And still, you know, she jumped in and did Queenstown Marathon last year with, you know, only a few weeks build up. So she's, yeah, she's a... A decent a athlete weapon. as well. Yeah, how, yeah. How, did, how did you guys make? At Ironman New Zealand. Right. Yeah, through some mutual <laughs> friends. Um, it was about 10 years ago. So, yeah, so it definitely helps to have a supportive family um, and wife, obviously. 
Oh, it would be impossible otherwise, wouldn't it? Yeah. It'd be absolutely impossible, impossible, yep. and that that stuff's um, key. And you guys um, are juggling family as well. You got two two little ones. Yep, yep. Tinley's five, and Nixon is two. So they've just they're um, Tinley's just started school. But yeah, good good supportive family. So they, um, I'm guessing, the kids are too young to sort of even have a, like a real appreciation of what you do. It's like dad's just going. Well, yeah, I was laughing about this the other day with someone. Um, you know, like some of those big training days where I've gone out and like I've had a couple where I've run 100Ks in training solo just by myself and then you get home and it's like, right, time to do the lawns, time to play this, time to make dinner and it's just like, oh, dad's just gone out for a little run. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. at that age, they, they, yeah, they don't give a shit if you're tired, do they? they no, 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 exactly. <laughs> it just goes to show what, what's possible if you want to do it and you put your mind to it. Yeah, it's that's it. Man. Like I like obviously showing kids that yeah anything is possible but then also friends athletes i mean and anyone who's watching that you can always do a hell of a lot more than you think um it takes a bit of dedication and um but yeah you can you can get a lot more out of yourself i think it crosses over to to business and relationships um when you get used to doing hard things and making hard choices then i think things become easier because you're used to <laughs> used to either hurting or making decisions in tough times mm. that um yeah you just get better dealing with hard situations. Yeah, there's a, a quote I saw on Instagram. It's, it says something like um hard choices easy life, easy choices hard life. Yep, yep. Yeah. And then another good quote is nobody cares work harder. <laughs> 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 what about sleep? What's your sleep like? Um, yeah, you must be exhausted every night when your head hits the pillow. I sleep pretty well. Yeah, um, how many hours? Oh, I mean, we're usually in bed sort of 9.30ish, sometimes 10 o'clock, and then the alarm goes off at, you know, 440 so sort of seven hours. Yeah, seven hours. But good sleep routine. So like, I've got a sauna and ice bath at home set up, and probably three or four evenings a week, we'll have a sauna, jump in the ice bath, then you have a quick shower and go to bed, and you sleep like a baby. Like, it's, yeah. So it's just having the good routines. That's key, like looking for those, um, like, one or two percenters for you. Like, you've got to be doing absolutely everything right, don't you? Yeah, you do, and it all adds up, um, especially over time. Like, if, you know, you can you can choose a few things to focus on, but if you're not doing it for years at a time, you're not going to see the real benefits, I believe. So it's like, mm. it's that long-term commitment that, that pays off and the consistency the consistency is number one yeah in training i mean in business and everything if you if you're making the right choices over a long period of time it's going to go well physically you're in the top one percent of people in new zealand without it unquestionably mentally obviously you're you're in a just as good condition because you need to be to to go into the pain cave as often as what you do has your mental health always been good yeah um yeah luckily it has and i think the sport has a massive part to play um i think not only you know the obvious benefits from exercise and good eating and Mm. sleeping and everything but also dealing with those hard situations in events in training um yeah i think your mind becomes stronger and it just finds out ways to work out solutions adapt and overcome has it always been that way? I feel like exercise brings you this, um, the, the physical and the mental health now. But what about like when you were a, a panel beater, a young man in your like, late teens, early twenties? Was it good then? Um, mental health good? was always pretty good. Yeah. Um, I mean, relationship with alcohol and that sort of thing probably you know like any <laughs> New Zealand teenager, especially one who's in the panel beating trade. Um, <laughs> there was plenty of weekends with bottles of Jim Beam and uh, yeah, lots of partying, but. 
I probably wouldn't change that. Like it's yeah. it's a period of life that you go through and you learn a lot. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned you had a couple of beers when you finished the Ultraman. Yep. But I'm, suppose, I'm I'm guessing for the most part, your relationship with alcohol is probably non-existent now. Well, it's interesting. Like I went like the last say ten years, I've been yeah pretty strict with eating and obviously very limited alcohol and that sort of thing. But in this last prep towards the Ultraman, I've actually relaxed a bit more because I've needed to get a lot more calories in to withstand the volume of training. So my diet's relaxed a little bit. Um, it's still healthy choices. Like if you looked at it, it's healthier than probably still 90% of the country. Mm. But I've just allowed a bit more in there. And then same with alcohol, um, just to relax. Like I'd have maybe a couple of beers a week, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't feel that's a bad thing. Oh, I mean, you're not going to bed steamed, are you? No, no, no. <laughs> a couple of beers. <laughs> and um, how, how do you feel, how do you feel about aging? Like, um, you know, you, you're at your peak now. You said before you've still got some um, gains to make. Um, will you still be okay participating? You know, when the speed starts to drop off. Yeah, I think oh, I'm going to be a lifetime athlete. I mean, yeah. just the benefits that you get from that um, and the community that you're with. Um, I mean, I coach a lot of people that are a bit older than me and they're still going well and they're still making improvements as well. So I think you can always improve on different aspects and the mental side of things when you're older is like you can't short track mental toughness really. You've got to go through yeah. the trenches um, through the years. And then I think if you're, say, when I'm 50, I can look at other 50-year-olds and think, right, I'm still competitive. I suppose that's the thing. You just um, you, you start worrying about being good for age um, or also, yep. and just comparing yourself to you know what you've done previously. Yeah, I think so. And then just you can reset. look at your, your kids' friends, parents, and sort of see yeah, yeah what, what they're like. And I guess you can, can just compare to the general public, which um, nowadays is in a pretty sad state of fitness mm. and health, which, yeah, it's... It's pretty hard to see, really, um, because I guess I'm in the community with people who are highly motivated and performing quite well. Um, you sort of lose touch of what the general population is like. Um, but, yeah, I just feel sad how a lot of people must wake up feeling so shit, go up through the day complaining, feeling like shit, and going to bed feeling like shit, whereas I know how good it can feel, and I know... I want to try and help people to feel like that. Um, so it's just trying to, I guess, break that mould. Mm. Um, You're you talking physically, mentally, or both? Well, it's it's a combination, oh, yeah. yeah. I yeah. think it all comes together. And I think the the mental side of things um, that a lot of people are struggling with out there is because of the physical um, state their bodies are mm. in. Like, they're not functioning well. So I think if they can turn that around, then... Yeah, the state of the mental health of the whole country can improve. Yeah, I, I think for a, like for a lot of people, it happens so progressively. People feel like shit, and they don't actually realise how shit they no, feel. No, they just normalise it. Yeah. They wake up every day, and they're like, "Oh, today I feel good," but on the scale of good, it's still real shit. Mm. So I think if you can show them some small improvements, um, then you just get that roll-on effect. From my personal perspective, I've had like a, an interesting um, relationship with alcohol over the years, and there's been periods where I'd drink a bottle of wine each night, and I wake up the next morning feeling fine. But that's your but, normal. Yeah, but then you have a break from alcohol, and just one or two glasses, and then suddenly you feel shit the next morning. Yep. Which is alarming, because it means when I'm having a bottle of night, <laughs> I'm, I, I think I feel good the next morning, but I actually feel shit. Yep, yep. And yeah, that can just be a downward trend on any aspect of life, I yeah. guess. Um, any sort of, it doesn't even have to be like addictions, but it's, yeah, whatever you're overindulging in that's unhealthy. Um, you normalise and then 
yeah, that normal level, just that's your life then. Mm. Well, anything that you do need to work on? What do you need to do better? What are the areas that require some work? Um, I don't know, like anyone, you've always got self-doubts around, yeah, all sorts of things, but... Um, Have you? Like, what about? What about for you? Yeah, I don't know. Performances, that sort of mm. thing with, with the racing. Um, I mean, you look back and if you could do the last 10 years difference, I mean, that's like everything in life, though. If, if you knew what you knew now 10 years ago, then you'd probably approach training and a few things a lot different. But that's part of the journey, and I think you just got to look forward rather than looking back. Do you mean in terms of like um, like making that next step up and becoming like a like a guy that goes to the Olympics or Commonwealth Games or something? What do you mean? Yeah, possibly, but that's I don't think I would change it though because I've I feel like I've got the good balance with work and family. Like you see some of those pro athletes that are still forty years old and single and don't own a house and you know don't have mm. anything to go to afterwards. I think I'd rather have my athletic career plus my family and work life. Yeah, so I'm, I'm happy with that, and there's no no regrets. Yeah, and, and mate, you, you just set a world record. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> You're not doing too bad. No, no. So we can look forward, and there's still plenty more to come, which is exciting. How good! All right, if anyone wants to track, oh, you said you got your books full, but um... no, not not quite full. Okay, there's a few spots there because I'm going to be it... spending a bit more time on the coaching business. Is there somewhere you can forward. scale up and just do like generic programs for like from couch to 10k or something for people? Yeah, definitely. Some... That yeah. that might be an, an add-on this year. Um, but for now, I'm focusing on the. The good group of athletes I have got, mm-hmm. um, and then looking to step away from the accommodation side of things in the next probably few months. So working away out of that. So then I do that will open up a lot more time for expanding athletic peak. On Instagram, yep, website, on Instagram, athleticpeak.co.nz, um, or just find me on Instagram. I think it's Cochrane Simon. Yeah, you know, you, you post a lot of stuff on um, Instagram. It's very motivating. Yeah, thanks. And yeah. same thing, like when I get a bit more time, um, when the accommodation side of thing goes away, I want to do a lot more sort of videos, articles, um, just for. Yeah, endurance sports. Mm. You, you ended up on um, Breakfast TV after the Ultraman. It's a random, random sport, and it's very niche. Yep. How did you end up getting some mainstream media coverage? Um, one of my athletes, Brittany, contacted Breakfast, um, and they, they were pretty excited. Um, yeah, the interview was really short on TV, but they were chatting for 10, 15 minutes either side of the interview, um, really interested. And um, one news got in touch, and they said they might do a bit of a follow-up and a... Um, yeah, look at what is coming up next as well. So I mean, it's it's great for the sport. You know, there's, there must be that personal ego thing with you, which is great, but also um, for the broader public knowledge of Ultraman as well. It's bloody awesome. Yeah, it's exciting. Like, it, there has been a lot of exposure. Um, I mean, even compared to some of my other results, uh, which is cool. I mean, it helps to have, you know, broken the world record. That just gets a bit more... <laughs> broken, smashed it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exciting things to come. I mean, there's so many options for races coming up, whether it's Ultraman or be quite cool to have a crack at some of those crazy um, races in America, like 250-mile run events and that sort of thing. <laughs> so <laughs> push the boundaries. I mentioned I had John O'Riddler on who swam 99Ks, and he that, that's what he said his um, why was. He wanted to like push the boundaries and see what he's capable of. And he said after that 99K swim, he felt like he came pretty fucking close yep. are you, are you, where do you think you're at percentage wise to, to reaching your personal limits or do uh, you just keep redefining them yeah I think redefining is a, is a good way like the, the 200k's is probably one of my most proud efforts because I put a lot of planning into that um, 
but I nailed that with an hour and a half to spare and feeling as good as you can after running for 24 <laughs> hours. Um, so I reckon, yeah, I'm maybe at 50 or 60%. So like, there's there's a lot more there. And it's... What, 50 or 60%? Yeah, yeah. And I reckon it's a lot more with the mind than physical. Like, you can only do so much training in a week, but your mind is almost, you know, limitless. Mm. You can go a lot further than you think. There's a really good book I like, and in the book it talks about how um, if you know what the why is and the why is right, then the how just figures itself out. So what's that for you? Yeah, I guess that's it with um, with work, with training, with everything. I think if you're the biggest thing is enjoying what you do. Like I don't feel like I work, I don't feel like I train hard because I enjoy I enjoy it all. Nothing's a chore, and I think yeah, like when I see people complaining about their work, complaining about training, it's like well you're you're doing something wrong. <laughs> Life's there to be enjoyed, mm. um, and you can change things, and that's sometimes that is the hard decision that people need to to do you know can you get a job that you enjoy more like you've done (laughs) like i do can you improve your fitness your life and all these aspects sometimes it's a hard choice and it might just be two or three months of shit this is really hard but then once you can get there shit it's worth it no one can do that stuff for you though eh? no you can grizzle your way through life but nothing's going to change unless you do it yourself no exactly and that's it and deep down Everyone knows what they need to do and what they want to do. It's just sucking up the courage and doing it. Simon Cochran, <laughs> Ultraman world record holder. Thank you, Dom. Great Thanks to a lot. We're going to have to do like a part two because we didn't even scrape the surface of the Blue Lake 24-hour run where you did 201K. Yeah, we'll have to come back. <laughs> and next time uh, I will drag you out for a run. Too. Okay, we're on. Maybe just an hour or so. Yeah, okay. Is it worth even putting your shoes on for that? <laughs> Always. Every bit counts. Thank you for making it all the way through this episode of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. That was new world record holder Simon Cochran. Thanks very much to the sponsors of this episode, Radix Nutrition. Please check them out online, radixnutrition.co.nz. I know this is uh, kind of an ad, but I genuinely believe what I say. Radix Nutrition are a phenomenal company, little company, doing big things from the Waikato to the world, and it's a pleasure to be part of them. Check them out for yourself, radixnutrition.co.nz. And if it stacks up and you like what you see, please try them out. All right, thanks again. Hope to see you next time on Runners Only with Dom Harvey. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.